Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the false cry of Jacob as we pick up in Genesis chapter 42, verse 36. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. How many times do we cry out in despair and moan and complain unto God when God says, oh, if you only knew what I was doing. Wait, let me finish the story. Let me finish the chapter. The end comes out good. It's just a beautiful mystery. But wait until the whole thing unravels. And you're going to be so excited over the good plan that I have. But, oh, think of the hassle God has to go through to get us there. I don't think you'll love me anymore, God. I don't know about if I'm going to serve you or not. You know, if you're going to do this to me, I don't know. I think maybe you'll just I'll quit and all this. And God has got to go through all the guff and mouthing off and hassle that we give to him as he's trying to do something good for us. Sometimes I feel sorry for God. <laughs> the things he has to endure in order to show his goodness to us. All of the accusations and all that we, we cast upon him. And all the while, in his mind, he is thinking good, and he sees the good fruit and the good result is going to come. Here's Jacob. All things are against me and complaining. And he doesn't know. He doesn't know the whole story. And so Reuben spoken to his father, and he said, Kill my two sons if I don't bring him not to thee. In other words, you know, Benjamin is not going to go down. I won't let him go. He said, hey, kill my two sons if I don't bring him back. Now, what good would that do? That's sort of a stupid thing to say. But Reuben was unstable as water. He just didn't have very much smarts anyhow. And so he makes this kind of a rash thing, a statement. What comfort would that be to a grandfather to t- kill his two grandkids? You know, it, it just, you want to say something. <laughs> but that's the danger of saying something when just for the sake of saying something. Better that you have something to say. Slay my two sons if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to you again. And Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you. For his brother is dead, he's left alone. And if mischief would befall him by the way in the which you go, then you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. So that was it. But time went on. The famine continued. And they used up all of the grain that they had purchased in Egypt. And so it came to pass when they had eaten up the wheat which they had bought, that their father said to them, Go on down and get us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly swear to us, saying, You're not going to even see my face unless your brother is with you. Now, if you will send our brother with us, we'll go down and buy the food. But if you will not send him, we'll not go down. For the man said unto us, You're not going to see my face 
unless your brother is with you. Judah is just squaring off with his dad now and saying, hey, look, you don't understand that guy down there. He meant it. He swore to us. He's mean. He's rough. And if you want to send your son, fine, we'll go. If you don't want to send him, then no way are we going to go down there and face that guy again. Because he swore to us. We're not going to see his face unless we have our brother. So Israel said, why did you deal with me like this? Why did you tell the man that you had a brother? And they said, the man asked us plainly how our dad was and if we had any other brothers at home. And they said, what could we do? We didn't know he was going to say, bring your brother down here. <laughs> if you've ever seen these people in their arguments, it must have been a very animated thing. They can't even trade sheep with a lot of, without a lot of screaming and yelling and waving of hands and, and the whole thing. You think they're going to kill each other. You're waiting for them to pull their knives as they're bartering over sheep. And so here was a real issue. Oh, it would have been fun to have seen them going through this one as they were really going at it with each other. And so Judah said unto Israel, his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and our little ones. And I will be surety for him. Of my hand you will require him, and if I bring him not to you again and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. Now, look, if we hadn't lingered so long, we could have been back already. In other words, you know, we're getting low. It's time we go. We've been messing around too long. We could have been back by now if we hadn't had all this hassle. So I'll be the surety for him. I'll take full responsibility. If I don't bring him back to you, then required at my hand. And so their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. But then Jacob's still the old schemer. You know, the wise old shrewd Jacob, he said, now take the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down to the man a present, a little balm and a little honey and some spices and myrrh and nuts and almonds, and take double money in your hand and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Peradventure, it was an oversight. So... Jacob, being the shrewd fellow that he was, uh, sends now some presents and all to the man in Egypt to sort of, you know, appease him and to cause him to think well of them. And then double money, plus the money that was returned in their sacks, uh, in case that it was an oversight that they put it in their sacks. And take also your brother and arise and go again unto the man. And... God Almighty, using now the covenant name of God, El El Shaddai, God Almighty, give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. And if I bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Jacob had to come to that place of a commitment. It's, it's more or less the same commitment of Esther. If I perish, I perish. If if that's the way, you know, 
if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. It's, it's the facing of your circumstances as you commit yourself to God. All right, we'll just trust in God Almighty to have the man give mercy unto you. And if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. Facing up to the facts of life. That's a position that many people just can't come to. They refuse to face up to the facts of life. They, they, they refuse to accept things. They continue to fight, but there comes a time when what can you do? You've just got to take and commit yourself into God's hands and say, well, whatever. It's in God's hands. And whatever comes, I just am going to have to accept it because I belong to him and my life belongs to him and thus Whatever happens, I just must accept it. And so Jacob came to this place of commitment. It is an important place to come. And notice, when he came to this place of commitment, they didn't call him Jacob, but they called him Israel. Governed by God. Okay, this is it. I'm Israel again. It's interesting how he jumped from Jacob to Israel and Israel to Jacob. He had his moments. Jacob said, now take a little fruit and this all and all, you know. And Israel said, well, if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. I mean, it's that difference of, of taking things into my own hands and then committing my ways unto God. Now, God Almighty give you mercy. If I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. And the men took that present, and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin, and they rose up and went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, bring these men home and slay and make ready a feast, for these men will dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bid him, and the man brought Joseph's brothers into his house. And the men, that is Joseph's brothers, were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house, and they said, because of the money that was in our sacks at the first time, We've been brought in that he might seek an occasion against us and fall on us and take us all for his slaves. So they started figuring out, you know, they started fearing again. And, uh oh, it's because of the money in the sacks. And now he's just going to take us to his house. And then he's going to accuse us and, and just make slaves out of all of us. And so they came near to the steward of Joseph's house and they communed with him at the door of the house. And they said, sir. We came indeed down the first time to buy food. And it came to pass when we came to the inn that when we opened our sacks, behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight, and we've brought it again in our hands. And other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. And the steward said, Peace be unto you, don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your fathers has given you treasure in your sacks. I have your money. And so he brought Simeon out to them. Now the mystery thickens. You know, they figured, they, they had it all figured out. They thought, you know, it's because of money and all. And the guy says, what are you talking about? I've got your money. You know, your God must have given you some treasure. I don't, I've got your money. I, you know, and, and so it, it immediately dispels what they uh, had figured out, and so must be something else. And so they made 
ready the present to give to Joseph as he came in at noon, for they heard that he was going to eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand, and they bowed themselves to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare. He said, Is your father well, the old man of whom ye spake? Is he still alive? And they answered, Thy servant our father is in good health. He is still alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. So they were just bowing down before him and, and doing this obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. Actually, he, he, he was starting getting carried away now. He said, is this the brother? Before they could answer, say, yeah. He said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. Uh, again, sort of carrying off a thing, not that I'm your older brother, sort of a father and you're still a kid kind of a thing. And God be gracious unto you, my son. But Joseph made haste, for within him he was yearning to just grab his brother and hug him. And he sought where to weep. And so he entered into his chamber and wept there. He just couldn't take it. His emotions were just ripping him up. Here's his brother Benjamin. He thought he'd never see him again. And here he is. And oh, he, he yearned so much to just take hold of him and grab him and all. And he just started weeping. And, and so he turned and ran out of the room into his own private chamber. And he just, he just wept for the joy and the excitement of the reunion. And so he washed his face and he went out and he was able to control himself. And he said, set on the bread. And they set on for him by himself and for them by themselves and for the Egyptians, which did eat with them by themselves. So there were three tables. Joseph, because of his position, had his own table by himself. The Egyptians that were eating there had their separate table and his brothers had their separate table because the Egyptians did not want, it was an abomination for them to eat with the Hebrew. And so they sat before him, and so they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men marveled at one another. So he set them in order around the table from the oldest right around to the youngest. And, and they noticed that he had set them in the order of, the, of their births, and they marveled because there was only one chance in 39,917,000 that this could happen. <laughs> you can figure that out mathematically. The chances of laying all 10 in order to their births, only one in about 40 million, 39,917,000. So the mathematical probabilities are really against his doing it. So they're looking around saying, wow, what's going on here, you know? It's, all set in order to our birth around the table from the oldest to the youngest. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him, but Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. So they had a big party and they were merry, but he showed favoritism towards Benjamin. Sort of like little back sample, you know, he ate more than all the rest. And so uh, he, he gave to to Benjamin five times the portion that he gave to his other brothers. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, 
as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in the sack's mouth, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest, and his wheat money also. And then they, the steward did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. And as soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their donkeys. And when they were gone out of the city, they were not yet very far off, Joseph said to his steward, up and follow after the men. And when you overtake them, say unto them, why have you rewarded evil for good? Is not this in it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divines, and you have done evil in so doing? In other words, the steward was to follow him and say, hey, you guys. He did you a favor. He was kind to you. You ate in his house. Why would you rip off his silver cup? <laughs> Don't you know this was his divining cup? Now the Egyptians were very skillful in the arts of magic. In fact, they still uh, have some of the ancient books of the magic of Egypt and so forth. And you remember at the time of Moses, when he went in before the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh had his Egyptians that were able to uh, pull off some pretty shrewd tricks. And, and so they were, they were gifted in arts of magic. And, and one of the things that they had were divining cups made of uh, pieces of silver and gold. And it was sort of uh, like reading uh, the, the dregs in the cup, like tea leaves are red and so forth. And, and so Joseph said, hey, you, you, you know, he, they were accused of stealing his divining cup, his silver cup. Don't you know that he divines in that thing? And so he's, they, the, the steward went out and he overtook them and he spoke to them these same words. And, and, and so they said, why saith my Lord these words? God forbid that the, your servant should do according to this thing. Behold the money which we found in our sack's mouths. We brought it again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. Why should we steal out of my Lord's house silver or gold? So the brothers are protesting, hey, we haven't stolen anything. What do you mean? Why would we want to do that? The, you know, we brought back the money that was in our sacks the first time, and, and we have no intention of ripping off your master. With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondsmen. And so he said, all right, let it be according to your words. With him with whom it is found, he will be the servant, and you will all be blameless. In other words, they all promised to be bondsmen, and kill the one that you find it with. They said, no, we'll take you at your word, but we'll just let the one that we find it with, let him be the servant. The rest of you are blameless. You can go on home. Joseph was trying to keep his younger brother down there that he might uh, have a great time with him and let him know who he was. And so they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground, and he opened every man his sack. And they searched, and they began with the eldest, and they finished with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And they tore their clothes, every one of them. And they loaded back up their donkeys, and they returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was still there. And they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that you have done? Don't you know that such a man as I can divine? You think you get away with that? Don't you realize that the position I'm in, I'm able to divine these things? You know, I'm able to see these things that are taking place and all. And Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? How can we clear ourselves? 
God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and also him with whom the cup is found. Judah said, hey, what can I say? I, how, how can I clear myself? God has found us out. In other words, the iniquity. Again, going back to their selling of their brother Joseph. Now, they had the bags of silver that they had brought down the first time, 10 brothers. They, came, they had come back with that silver plus more silver, the 10 brothers that came back again because Simeon was still there. 20 sacks of silver. I wonder if that maybe rang a bell. They had sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. And so they said, what can we say? Our iniquity's been found out. We can't clear ourselves, and so we'll be your servants. And the boy here will just be your servants. And he said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he'll be my servant, and as for the rest of you, go in peace back to your father. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, Simply order Genesis 42 through 44 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. Fill your heart with love. Fill your heart with praise. Fill your heart with God's Spirit that He might work in you, bringing you into the image of Christ, helping you to be what God wants you to be, a true representation of Him before this poor, sad, sin-cursed world. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lately, social media and our newscasters are predicting that worldwide calamity is right around the corner. In fact, so-called experts are saying we don't have much time left on the planet. Can we really believe this? Maybe they're just trying to scare us. Everybody seems to be asking the question, what is the world coming to? But as Christians, we don't need to be anxious because the answer is found in the book of Revelation. 
The Word for Today encourages our radio listeners to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation entitled, What the World is Coming to. Known for his simple teaching of the scriptures, Pastor Chuck's commentary will help every reader understand what God's plan is for the human race. Not only will this book educate you about the future, it's an excellent resource to equip you to give an answer to those who don't recognize God's coming judgment. To order your copy of What the World's Coming to by Chuck Smith in print or in digital format, please call 1-800-272-9673. Or you can order this book online at thewordfortoday.org. 